Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Welcome to Inside the Monster with Steve Peralt and Joey Capone. Welcome to episode 38 of the official Red Sox podcast, Inside the Monster, presented by Odyssey with myself, Steve Peralt, and Joey Capone. The Red Sox split a four-game series with the Guardians and are basically in the same wildcard scenario they were after that Blue Jays series. How you doing, Joey? Doing pretty good, dude. Weren't they still ahead of the Orioles before this series? Yeah, that's why they're basically in the same wild card scenario they were a half game well, ahead of the orioles they're a half game behind the orioles it's we're, we're kind of breezing by the fact that they're in last place right now but that's all right yeah last much, place to me doesn't really time. matter when you're like basically tied with the team like last place obviously sucks but considering the socks are in the position they're in all things considered mm-hmm. they should be in our eyes they should probably be like six or seven games better than they are right now from what our projections were at the start mm-hmm. of the year and they're a 50 and 50 team. So overall, yes, the Sox should be doing better. They've had a terrible skid. They leave the mm-hmm. Guardian series with a split. It should have been a series win. You got to win that Wednesday game. They mm-hmm. couldn't. And we should just talk Franchi now, Kinda right? Likes that, yeah. Well, uh, real quick, I was going to say I like that they're 50 and 50 through 100 because I think that's just going to sound really great at the parade to be like they were 500 through 100 games. To all Nobody the folks that keep doing the, the Braves comparison thing, it's like, mm-hmm. just don't. Don't do Oh, but remember, like, yeah, yeah, we all do. We all remember the Braves last year. They were basically out of it at the deadline. They made some moves. They made the right moves. The right, you know, matchups happened. A couple injuries happened with other teams, and they're – give them credit, you know. They make the World Series. They take down There's the Astros. And There's a really recent precedent for it. There, yes, but it's almost it's low hanging fruit to me. It's like it's too obvious. Like, oh, but look at what happened last. Yeah, but that's more the outlier than what you would expect to happen. So, I would say, look at this team based off of this team. I'll also say, Joey, that coming up here, mm-hmm. I'm going to look at the last five trade deadlines for the Boston Red Sox and try to see if we can mm-hmm. draw any kind of comparisons to what is going to happen 
on, I was going to say on Tuesday, but it's really like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's really like the three days right up to that break. Right, not the break, the deadline. <laughs> right up to yeah, that second all-star break they have. <laughs> it's probably more Monday, to be honest with you. Yeah. But yeah. 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 It's right in that Time mix. doesn't really do uh, the whole weekend thing. First things first, we should talk about this game here. Uh, we're obviously going to get into a lot of deadline talk, but cannot overstate the importance of what Xander Bogarts did in the sixth inning and that at-bat there. So, Oh, yeah. I got to say, Joey, you get first mm-hmm. and second with one out, and the first thing that went in my head is I bet McKenzie is going to try to get ahead in the count here. I bet he sees Xander Bogarts coming up. He's got a little trouble on the bases for the first time in the entire game for him. That kid's filthy, by the way. I haven't seen him pitch that much. He's the kind of dude that's like, oh, we're facing a somebody tonight. Like This is really going to be a tough matchup. And they he only had like one hit. Too. Yeah. He, he does. They only had one hit up to that point. Then Doogie gets a flare in the center, second hit of the game. And you got first and second with Duran at second because he really couldn't get the sack bunt down. Jaron hasn't really been able to do much of anything uh, in the month of July, but at least he's on second. I would have sent him. I probably would have sent him. I think they tried to on the first pitch when Doogie was up and Doogie swings. I would have taken that pitch for days. Mm. When you finally get a chance to get a guy in running uh, in running position in scoring position with one out, anyways, they get first and second, thinking he's gonna probably try to get ahead in the count here. It's a big at bat against Xander, struck him out earlier, and he throws a heater right down the middle, Joey, and it was ninety three yeah, miles an hour, sure and Xander fouls it right back, and I'm like, damn it, that was the pitch, <laughs> that was that was the chance, and they said it. I think Dave said it in the in the booth. You know, saying home run would be big here or something they, along the lines of calling a dinger. Yeah. It's funny comparing like Wake and Eck. You know, Eck obviously had like the famous, it's time to party. Mm. Uh, this would be, a, you know, uh, this is where the party starts. And uh, Wake's line was, this would be a wonderful time for a home run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then when he hit it, he's like, yep. Told you, be a wonderful time. <laughs> that is it. I bet. I <laughs> bet Wake would be the first to tell you that he doesn't have much fun calling these games. I, I, is no, that you fair to say? He, you don't think he likes? He enjoys doing it. Do you think he enjoys doing it? Uh I don't know. I don't know. I think he's just a pretty low energy, calm guy. I mean, he threw the ball fifty-five miles an hour. It's kind of fitting. It's just kind of what he does. He's just a low energy dude. You know, I find myself low energy a lot of the time too. No, that's fair. I, I think wake, yeah, wake in the booth is kind of like wake on the mound. It's like you know what you're gonna get, and mm-hmm. it is what it is. I mean, he's I I think it in its nature, he's probably filling in for somebody. Like that's, I don't think they have him really call a lot of games, so it's not like that's his bread yeah. and butter. I know he does a lot of pre and post game, but anyway, Bogey misses that pitch, Joey, and I'm thinking that was the chance. Now he's gonna strike out, especially after looking really bad on an 0-1 slider. And sure mm-hmm. enough, I don't know what McKenzie's doing throwing him that pitch 0-2. That is way too juicy a pitch to be throwing 0-2 with a one nothing lead in the sixth inning and two guys on with one out. And sure enough, leaves it over the plate. There's a split second as a viewer. I don't know if you feel this at home where you're like, it clicks in your head, oh, he's got to crush that. Like this, mm-hmm. like in a, in a split second, you're thinking, oh, that thing's hung. That thing's right there. And sure enough, Xander clears it out. I went through this whole entire 
process in my brain of like 2018 Xander clears that out. 2019 mm-hmm. Xander clears that out. I don't know if 2022 Xander clears that out. And then sure enough, it's an absolute bomb. Great photo. I don't know if it was Billy that got it or whoever got the the photo. Let's of a give classic. the credit to Billy. Let's say it was Billy, Billy deserves the credit. Billy Billy is incredible. Billy did an incredible job with the poppy stuff. I, See that the video rotunda? they did? Come on. Come on. Oh, that oh, was yeah. so good. Anyway, Xander clears it out. Classic shot with the follow through there. It's not me thinking there's only going to be a few more of those in his Sox career. I'm not thinking that, but it was a great shot, great homer. Don't even bring it up, Steve. You're not th- you, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. I have not felt a bigger weight off my back than the report that came out, what was it, like two days ago, where Heim just addressed it and said, no, Xander's not moving at the deadline. We'll be getting into that. We'll be getting into no, that. You, that's you don't, that's okay. coming up here. All right. That's coming that up seemed here. like that seemed like a natural segue when you're talking about him him maybe leaving or not leaving. Okay, okay. Because um, I, I agree with you, Joey. But I, I just talk about a much needed moment. I know a lot of the fan base right now is just all negative. It's all sell everybody this that the other thing. This team sucks. Yada yada yada. Heim heim heim. But for those of us that do believe in the 2022 Red Sox and that see a moment like that. It, gives, it just gives you life, and it gives you much-needed life, Joey. There's been a long stretch here of nothing to really be that happy about. And when you and I were on the road, it didn't feel like they were normal losses because it's like, ah, we're not, like, on our couch. We're not at Fenway. Like, we're not, like, in the moment. We're not in New England. We're not in this zone. And so they felt a little different. It's like, ah, right, once we get back, things will be better. And they basically, I mean, they should have won three out of four. They, they should have won this series. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is that the Xander moment was huge. You needed it. McKenzie's legit. He is filthy mm-hmm. out there. You get the three-run homer. Whitlock was a little shaky. Uh, I had to listen on the friggin' uh, radio. Nothing against it because I think Will and Rob were great. Joe Castiglione, big celebration tonight for Joe's 40 uh, years calling the games. I say I had to listen on the friggin' radio because Fubo sucked and didn't have the last three innings of the game, so I'm I'm not able to watch. And I always need to see what's happening. It then reminds me though how good the broadcast is on EEI. Like Will, we're gonna have Will Fleming on I think next week. And oh, that soon, huh? Yeah, he's just he's great. It's either next week or the week after. The he man. said he could do the Royal Series, but. Yeah, he's the it man. was great listening yeah, to they, him. It's just I'm a visual guy, Joey, and I wanted to see what was mm-hmm. going on. But him and Rob were talking about how Whitlock didn't look fully right, and the hips seemed to be bothering him, and he was throwing a lot of balls. His control wasn't fully accurate. It was raining a little bit, so that had to factor in. But what did that look like watching? Uh, looked like his hip was bothering him a little bit. Looked like he had some control <laughs> issues. He was throwing some balls. Uh, I told you he wasn't spotting the outer half of the plate. So, so you know, it's yeah. it throwing hand side of the plate, the right side of the plate. So he was leaving some stuff over the heart. He gave up a double to nailer that like did not look like him. He left a splitter hanging that like you don't see him do. Um, it, it's tough to read him because he's such a serious guy. He doesn't wear a lot of emotion on his face. So kind of tough to tell. Like he doesn't seem like a guy who'd be wincing in pain, even if he was. So. I couldn't tell that, but Will Fleming probably knows the the minute movements of these guys better than I do, you know? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I just think that overall, looking at this game, Cutter Crawford deserves a lot of credit. Cutter's been great. Looked it up. He's had six starts, 
and 12 earned runs, two earned runs per start. And it's felt like that. The ERA with him is really deceiving because he got destroyed early in the year coming out of the pen. And when they've needed him, and I these aren't even really fill-in starts anymore. These are just like normal starts. Like I know technically they're fill-in because he's a rookie and you got, you know, Waka and Hill on the IL and Evaldi right. was on the IL. I get it. Sales dead. Like <laughs> I understand, but Cutter Crawford deserves a lot of credit, man. He's been very reliable, very consistent. Strikeout rate is pretty high. Not a lot of walks. Uh, opponent batting average in like the the 220s, I believe. He's just been extremely reliable for a guy that, as you mentioned earlier in the season, his savant page was just all like the worst 1% of the league. It's crazy. Yeah, like his first like three appearances – like baseball savant pretty much had a paragraph that was like, Hey, this guy should not be in the major leagues, dude. This get this guy <laughs> out of here. And uh now he looks like a major league pitcher. I said in the last pitching preview, man, he looks like a major league starter. So props to Cutter Crawford for just like coming out of nowhere, just peeling himself out of the woodwork and uh really keeping you can you imagine if he was like what he looked like? You know what I mean? Like if he was the guy we thought he was. What, what are you saying? I'm saying if after those two starts, those first two starts, nothing changed, and he still had a 15-8 ERA. Oh, they'd be screwed. Like, like, what would they even do? Like, I, I actually don't know. Like, Whitlock probably would have come back into the rotation, but before that, like, what do you, what do you even Hulk do? Hulk probably would have. It's like, Hulk, yeah. Like, it's like him, at, Cutter, and Winkowski have been just absolute lifesavers. Winkowski been, earlier. Winkowski been, lately, not as much. But right, he's had a couple of tough ones in a row here. But yeah, that Winkowski's gotten hit pretty bad recently. No, overall though, Winkowski's better than you thought he was going to be, considering the situation he was thrown into. Joey, we just gotta. I, I know we're going to get to this deadline stuff, but oh, uh, eventually, dude, I'm I'm itching. Franchi though, man, Franchi's just yeah. I, it's just hard to be worse. Like, I think we alluded to it a little bit on the DM show last night, but Franchi is just, just like almost unplayable at first base. The reason I say almost is because you don't have a ton of other options. I know Vasquez needs to catch some of these games, You're so he can't be playing your first. You're catcher at first base. You're but Vasquez, your catcher hey, let's at be first real. base. I'm convinced Vasquez can play every position on the field, including pitcher. Like I, I'm He's genuinely convinced. He's played third convinced. before, right? Yeah, he's played, he's played second. He's played short. Yeah. I think he's played every he infield really? position. Has he pitched yet? I don't think so. I would be shocked. I don't think he has, I, but I, he could. I can't picture him playing short or second either. I remember him playing third, but I, I didn't realize he's played every infield slot. That's crazy. Yeah, I think he's I, he's definitely played second. I believe he's shifted over to short as well in some crunch situations where they had to pinch hit and move guys over. But, yeah, I shout out to Christian Vasquez. I honestly just love his versatility. They showed his numbers on the broadcast the other day of like AL catchers the last five years, and he's like top five in literally everything. So mm. I think we take him for granted, man. I don't think Christian Vasquez gets enough credit for being like very good for his role, all things considered. Being a catcher in general, if you hit like if you hit 270 and you're a catcher, I have so much respect for you. Like you're that's the man. just yeah. You're the man. Like what's what's he at right now? What's his average? He's got to be over two seventy. I he's know in the be. last like fifteen games he's hitting like three ten. He's when probably he has like, like nine eighty OPS. He's, he's two seventy seven. Yeah. Yeah. So he probably Sounds came. Right. He went over four on Thursday. So he's probably around two eighty coming into Thursday, which is like 
ridiculous to be a catcher and be like that. I never understood how Joe Maurer would hit like 320. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? That I doesn't, know. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But Franchi, man, he, he's just been – it's been one of the worst months of baseball I think I've ever seen. Like, it's really – the errors are just comical. Like, they were just so unacceptable. And we mentioned this in the DM show, but you would think that that second time there in game three of this series – when he gets the grounder, you got uh, Schreiber on the mound, and he did the same exact thing. Uh, then when Avaldi was out there, just throws it way past them into the dugout. It's like, great, there we go, tie game. Like I, it's hard to even blame Schreiber for that. Like it probably would have been a hit anyway, but it's such a game-changing situation. It changes everything. Like I, you can't anything that happens after that just would have been different if he made the play. So I just. I don't know, man. I mean, we were speaking so highly of Franchi for a good stretch there, and now he's a guy that offensively in his last 20 games, he's hitting 131 with 31 strikeouts and no home runs. I heard Wake. Wake is Wake is a little too positive on, on some of these guys. I, I think he leans to, hey, this guy can do this, and this guy can do that. And he's saying, oh, well, Franchi, you know, because Dave was looting the fact that he's had some really rough stretches in the field. He's like, oh, well, Franchi, you know, he's not that bad at the plate, and he's got power. And I'm like, well, it's just, he just, that's just not true. You know, he doesn't have power, and he's been terrible at the plate. So I, I, I think we can call it a little more as it is with some of these guys. He's got great double-A power. Um, it's weird. Yeah. It's like it's like his hot streak just didn't happen, bro. It's like he's Franchi last almost. year again. Uh, yeah, it's right back to it. It's nuts. It's you'd think that something would stick around, you know, be it the power or the eye or, you know, the, the, the plate discipline, just like something would stick around. Right. Yeah. And it just feels like it all vanished. Like he had the like Mike shoes and they're just gone. Like he lost, <laughs> he lost like his magic charm or something, dude. It's, it's awful. But like you said, it's, it's, I don't think it's bordering on unplayable, dude. I don't think you can play Franchi Cordero in a major league baseball can. game. I don't I'm think just saying can. numbers I mean, game with guys that are Van- out. That's why he's playing. Right. And I understand Vasquez is like uh, an exception. Like he is like a, a baseball freak. He can play just anywhere. And uh, that's he's maybe the uh, an exception to this rule. But like if you have to pull out your healthy first baseman and stick your catcher your number one catcher at first base just because god we got to get somebody else on the bag that's bad dude that's 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 bad that's got to be priority number one i'm not trying to talk about the deadline again i'm not i know we got other stuff to talk about my god my god do i want to talk about it but uh that's got to be like priority number one dude like that's and i think we all probably knew that early on when travis shaw was your opening day first baseman that uh, you might have some issues there, but uh, it's it's bad. It has to change like immediately. Be it buyers this, or sellers or not, you just can't keep touting them out there. You can't. This from Alex Spear. Uh, Cordero's three errors in that game on Wednesday ties Mo Vaughn as the only oh. Red Sox first baseman in the last 77 years to have three errors in one game. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, you know how much it kills me that Big Mo is on that list? Like, Mo Vaughn was my guy. I'm like, no, not Mo. Don't have Mo on that list. Don't have Mo and Franchi on the same list. But It's probably Mo, I mean, like, sh- scooping. 
They're probably just tough scoops. It was probably some scoops. You know? It was probably some scoops. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I can. Can you picture Big you. Mo bending down? I well, I can just promise you, Mo did not have two of those miserable throws that went into the dugout. There's no way he yeah. like accidentally went to his right and like cut off Offerman and then chucked it into the dugout at Jimmy Williams. But that anyway, that certainly didn't happen. That didn't happen. But yeah, the the Franchi stuff. I think it's pretty safe to say it cost you the series. I think without the Franchi little league play plays. You would have won three out of four of these games. It's a totally different picture. And real quick, Joey, I know we had alluded to it off the top here, but you're basically in the same situation that you were, wild card standings-wise, heading into this series. So right now, let me try to get a real quick update on this Mariners game. Get it up, just to see. up to date. Okay, Astros yeah, are going to win that game. I had it open a second. All right. Astros are going to win. So right now, as it stands, the Red Sox are three and a half games behind the Tampa Bay Rays for that last wild card spot. They're four games behind the Mariners for the second wild card spot and five and a half behind the Blue Jays. So it's not much different than when you were coming into the series. You're three and a half games behind the Rays. You're now a half game behind the Orioles, a game behind the Guardians. Heading into the series, you were three games behind the last wild card spot game behind the Guardians, and a half game up on the Orioles. So it's basically the same. You were tied with the White Sox then. You're tied with the White Sox now. So nothing really – it kind of sucks because it's like you need – you're now in a position where you need things to happen. You need to be making progress. You need to be getting back into the race. And while they didn't lose the series, which would have been catastrophic, you couldn't have lost tonight and then tried to, what, just assume they win the Brewers series and then all is well. You get that first game in Houston, which you're probably going to lose. Like, you just needed to win this game on Thursday, and they did. And it genuinely feels, Joey, let me know if you feel like this too, that Bloom is looking at this team and thinking, what the hell am I going to do with this team? <laughs> like... What is this team? We're 100 games in, and it's a real question to say, who are these Red Sox? I have a knack for believing Heimblum. I just believe him. I do, too. He's, when I hear talks or when I hear rumors or hear Heim said this, I'm always like, eh, I don't know. What, what are we talking about here? And then when I see his face say words, I'm like, that guy's telling the truth. That guy's telling me like it is. Uh, and him... Saying that like they they want to win, they want to build this team to win. Sam Kennedy had a similar uh, statement. I believe it. I believe it. With how injured this team is, this isn't your team. I say it every week, but this isn't no, your I team. Know. <laughs> Yomer Sanchez is not your team. Hopefully, Francisco Cordero is not your team. There's a, a number of pitchers that are not your team. So. I think when the Sox are healthy, they're a team worth investing in, dude. I really do. I believe that. Being that, being a 500 team through 100 games is certainly not where you expected to be. You, this July is not what you expected it to be. But I think all those things aside, dude, I still think there's a team worth investing in. We got a big old game of staying or going coming up when it comes to the trade deadline. Uh, speaking of High and Bloom, I had a 20-minute conversation with High and Bloom in the friggin' dugout a couple days ago, and I got some interesting tidbits from that conversation. He said they're signing Devers to a 30-year deal. And 30 so that, years. Yep, that was one of the things he mentioned. But no, got some, got some good uh, insight from Haim. We'll break that down. Coming up next on episode 38 of Inside the Monster. Inside the Monster.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are back on the Kurt Schilling episode of Inside the Monster, episode 38, the Rusne Castillo episode. Of inside wow. the monster. Wow, I believe taking me a minute. I, I believe. Let me let me see real quick. I believe he was thirty-eight. I know people listening right now are like, obviously he was thirty-eight, dude. He was obviously a he was thirty-eight. Yeah, thirty-eight. There we go. He took shillings. Number. Herb, That's hilarious. Herb Plues. What did you just say? <laughs> you heard me, loud and clear. Hold on. Hold on. Who wore thirty-eight? Let's see. You got the whole list in front of you. I'm pulling it up right now. It takes so long. They make you scroll, huh? They make you work for oh, it. Oh, they make you, they make you earn it. It really All right. takes. Oh, a while. Josh Taylor. Oh, of course. How could I forget? How that? How could I forget Doug Fister? I I actually liked Fister. Grady Matt Sizemore. Thornton. Grady Sizemore. There you go. Heath Embry. For one year. Who wow, some Who did dudes, I grow up huh? with that wore number thirty-eight? Dick Pole. Hell yeah. There you go. He was a coach. Yeah, there's a lot of forgettable players that wore 38. Jeff Gray. Rick Aguilera. There you go. I know who that is. Not a lot of great ones. Oh, Rico. Rico Petroselli. There we go. No kidding. There's some decent ones. Uh, Kurt Schilling. It's the Kurt Schilling episode. It's the Kurt Schilling episode. But, Joey, it is time. It is now time for staying or going. These are guys that how far are we outside from the deadline? Five days? Four or five Maybe. days, basically, yeah. from three, four, five days from moves happening. I mean, technically, yeah. they could happen at any point. You know, Benny Buttcheeks is in New York. So we are in a, essentially, let me let me see here. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, we're in a five-day span that anything can happen. 
So do we think these guys are staying or going? Joey, we are starting with J.D. Martinez, uh, the D.H. of the Boston Red Sox. Do you think he will be the D.H. of the Boston Red Sox on August 3rd? I don't know if it's that simple. I don't know if I can give a black or a white. I think there's a whole conversation to be had around this stuff. What do you got? I, <laughs> Joey, so you said you were so excited for this, and now you're like... Because this is like, not a conversation around it. This is just a... a is it, where is he going? Okay. Uh, he's, what are your he's thoughts gone. on he's JD? Gone. He's He's gone, man. He's gone. He's not he's staying. Gone he's tomorrow. gone tomorrow. He's gone tomorrow. He's gone, and you're not getting as much for him as you want. You're going to be like... What, really, for J.D.? And it's going to be like, yeah, really, for J.D., because it's only a couple months of J.D. this team is getting, and it's older J.D. It's no power J.D. So you're going to get, like, he might even be packaged, bro. You could, I could see J.D. with a prospect for a bullpen arm. Yeah, it could happen. I don't, I don't think see it him will. here in a week, I, though. On, on that, you think he will be here? No, 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 I don't think he'll be here in a week. Oh, you think he's traded? Okay, I'm not. He's gone. I'm not. I'm leaning more not traded than traded. If leaning one way, I'm saying staying, and it's kind of what you said, Joey. Of I don't know what his value is for two months. This version of JD Martinez, I couldn't tell you what you would get back that would really even make any sense to trade him. So, I mean, he's on pace for 13 home runs this year. There are 63 MLB players that already have 13 home runs. JD's on pace for 13 by the end of the year. This is a guy that averaged 40 bombs a season his first two years with the Red Sox. So, I don't know. The power is way down. Like I mentioned to you on the DMs episode, when he came up with two guys on, and then they moved over to scoring position on a wild pitch, and a big AB on Wednesday. I didn't think he was going to do it, and he, he didn't do it. He grounded out, and... I think overall, like we've talked about before, you got everything you could have asked for in a big picture, you know, five-year deal for J.D. Martinez. The money was worth it. I'm sure he would say the same, the fact that he kept opting in. He understands mm-hmm. he's limited in the field. He hasn't played an inning in the field this year, which is another reason why I'm disappointed it. with it's these numbers. That, mm-hmm. that's what I'm, but that's what I'm upset about, where it's like he's hitting 293 with nine homers and 38 RBIs. He's hitting 293. It's, He's just a different hitter than we're used to seeing. No, I know. Like, but granted, like, I know that like the past like month and a half, he's a 200 hitter. But that also means like up through June, he was hitting what 330. You know, he was he was he was each row. Up in, I mean, let me let me see. JD Martinez. When was he? Baseball Reference tells no lies. I know that much. Mm-hmm. And ball don't lie, baby. Be ball ref. Up don't until lie. let's see the start of June. At the start of June, J.D. Martinez was... Oh, my God. What? Start of June, he was hitting 363 with a yeah. 988 OPS. That's in 41 that games. And I believe he's played 41 games since then. 42. Did he play? He played He played tonight. See, this is he bad when it's like, did tonight. J.D. Yeah. play tonight? It's he did. Like, that's how Believe many it or not, he was out that? there. He went 0 for 3. He went 0 for the whole series, right? Did he have a yeah. hit yesterday? No. Don't think so. He went 0 for 10 in the series. And he probably should have just kept sitting him, huh? <laughs> I mean, it's like 0 for 10 in the series with. Let me get this real quick. Sorry, folks. With 0 for 10. Seven with... guys left on base. It's like. I just Felt don't like know who this guy higher. is. 
in those games since May 28th, last day of May, or May 31st, sorry, up until the start of June, he's hitting 363. Since then, hitting 230. It's probably closer to 225 now because uh, this, obviously, baseball reference doesn't factor in the game that's played that day. Mm-hmm. He's got four homers in that 42-game span, 15 RBIs, and 43 strikeouts. He's strikeout each game on average. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you would get for him. I don't know what the the value of JD would be. And considering that, and considering that he's had a good track record for you in the postseason, which is where you want to go, which is the goal here. It's what Heim talks about. It's what everybody talks about. Sam Kennedy, mm-hmm. all the boys. I think you keep him because I don't think it would be worth dealing him. I don't know. I think there are guys who are teams out there who would see his season numbers and would see his veteran presence and how much uh, uh, he's respected amongst uh, the other veterans. You're basically buying a, a hitting coach too, you know? Hey, you're, you're buying a hitting so, coach with a guy that has a late season in October resume. And, but how, I think those are separate things though. Like you're, you're buying that, but what are you willing to give up? And I keep thinking it's not going to be a lot. And if the Red Sox genuinely want to make the postseason, which is what Haim is saying, what they're all saying, it just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel like dealing away your DH is the move. Especially, I mean, you could make an easy argument, I suppose, the other way, that you open up that DH spot for people that want to get off their feet in August and September, that actually do play in the field, and that could use a day off from fielding. So... What would be the difference of losing JD from your lineup and potentially getting a bat in return or getting a bat from somewhere else that's not a JD deal and giving a guy each day a day off his feet and he can be the DH? I think Cora would actually really enjoy that. I genuinely think Cora would love mm-hmm. having a lineup where it's not a guaranteed DH. The Red Sox have had an obvious DH in their lineup for what? 20 years. It, there's there was one season it was like 2017 was like the only year that like they moved it around a little bit and that wasn't mm-hmm. that just Hanley most of the time anyway so mm-hmm. I don't they basically had a, an obvious DH since like oh two <laughs> so it's I think I think it's time I think it's time to not necessarily have the obvious DH guy have you talked and, yourself into it is that what what's happened here no I I just my answer is he will not be traded because the return won't be big enough. But this is the last two months of J.D. Martinez and the Red Sox. That, Can yeah, definitively say that. that. Wouldn't really make much sense to bring it back. Uh, Xander Bogarts, Joey. I mean, Xander Stan, that's, Bogarts. That's so, I mean, this is standard going, but also which just like a feel for not just the deadline, but also big picture. So, okay. Um, These are all guys that well, are up first, at the end of the year say, is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, let me first say, uh, Christopher Smith, our good friend, uh, reported oh, earlier that... he hates that, me. Uh, no, he told, he told me he loves you. No, he doesn't earlier. like me. He, he replies he, with snarky replies all the time. What's up, Chris Smith? Uh, he said, Xander Bogarts said he was told personally he's not being traded. So, uh, this whole, like, I know there are people who think they're just... By who? Who told him? The hot dog guy? <laughs> I know dude, you're staying, dude. That's true. That's true. Yeah, a fan. <laughs> a fan um, told him, you're staying, bogey. And he's like, hey, I was just told, actually. I'm, I'm sticking around. 
No, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I get people who don't believe uh, the, the Kennedys and the Himes of the world, like, and, and see it as PR stuff and say, oh, they're just giving you lip service. That's media talk and whatever. Uh, you don't just, like, go to Bogey's face and tell him you're sticking around and then trade him. That's just, like, not, that doesn't happen. So A big part uh, of that, staying, too, Joey, but, is, like, what that says to the other players, right? If you go to Bogey mm-hmm. and you tell mm-hmm. him he's staying and you deal mm-hmm. him, Anything you say to these guys moving forward means nothing. You lose you, all credibility. I mean, you get no respect for the rest of your tenure with that team. <laughs> like you just flush yeah, it down the you, toilet. You just can't trade him. So Bogey, if we're getting if at least Heim two more months lying, of Bogey. If Heim was lying and he's listening to this right now, he's sweating. <laughs> so oh no, I didn't realize. Imagine on um, Monday, Xander Bogarts. Is heading to Houston. Like, what the hell? He's like, is I didn't realize he was going to tell the media I said that. I would panic. <laughs> well, did you? Uh, well, Jen McCaffrey here added uh, after saying, "Yeah, Bogart said he's been told personally he's not getting traded, and that's been a bit of relief." Mm-hmm. Also said he wasn't sure if he was supposed to say that and hopes he doesn't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Hyam being like, "All right, you're getting traded now, buddy." Like you weren't supposed to say Dude, that. So unfortunately, my road. hands are tied, bro. You're gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to deal you. Sorry. Enjoy Arizona. Um, yeah, yeah, they'd be they'd be getting them for two months. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're trying to compete, bro. They're trying to get back in that. They could. They are still a shot at the division for them. Uh, Where are the defense? Now, here's my question: up. ten under. Okay, anyway. No, they're only ten back. They're only they're ten under five hundred. Oh, I was gonna say they're there's only no way they're dude, ten they're, back of the Dodgers right now. No, D-backs are only twenty and a half back. Like if they. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they're probably the front runners for bogey. I like that we're <laughs> we're like laughing at them being twenty games back when we're seventeen and a half. Whatever, hey, whatever. The Diamondbacks, ba- right, D-backs are six and a half out of a wild card spot. Sox are three and a half. So it's that's a little. Oh, that's kind of embarrassing, bro. That's Not great. Let's move on if from you're that. A Diamondbacks let's, fan. Let's um, imagine being a fan of a team that's six and a half back. Ew, gross. All right. No. So here's my question. Yikes. Does keeping Bogey at the trade deadline, which looks like a for sure now. Does keeping him at the deadline increase chances of re-signing him? Because yeah, of course you're you're depriving yourself of any return you might get from Bogey in exchange for two months of him. So that's saying I you're think- either one, you're competing big time this year. Two, you're banking on re-signing him, or or both. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think keeping him is a a clear sign. Now, obviously, a lot has been made about the alleged deal, the Sox, you know, whatever, the added year that they put on there and how that's just a complete nothing. And if that's what it was, then yes, that is a non-offer. But I would not put it past Haim and this ownership to have taken this year, this season, to realize how much bogey actually matters to the other players in that clubhouse and to the fan base and say, you know what, if we're in contention, which the Red Sox are for a postseason spot, let's not trade Xander Bogarts. Let's show some level of loyalty to this guy and try to meet Boris somewhere halfway and Bogey somewhere halfway and keep him here until he's 35 years old. I I think I would not be surprised if that's what the plan is. And Joey, I got to say, other people can bring up, oh, you know, well, remember the Yankees dealt Chapman to the Cubs? It is so rare 
to trade the guy, get something for two months, and then he comes back. It it like never happens. So I would not bank on that. Remember everybody talking about uh, Mookie coming back? Like the second he was traded, they're like, well, well, they'll sign him back though. They'll sign him back at the end of the year. He'll be back, right? He'll play till he's forty-five, right? I was one <laughs> of those people. <laughs> I, I just, I don't get that at all. I don't get it. It's part of it's denial, like, Joe. It's just part of denial. That's just part of denial. It's, it's part of like Look, no, but if bogey. If bogey does get dealt, one, uh, have some serious concerns. <laughs> have some serious like get upset. Uh, but also know that he's not coming back. Can you imagine that? If they said, Bogey, you're not getting traded, and then they traded him, and then in free agency they still tried to be like, hey, man, we got an offer for you. Yeah. That's a mega no. Mega this no. can't happen. I, at so least he's try, not going at anywhere. Least now, he, I, I like things keep breaking when we're recording. Like things okay, keep happening. Okay. That's a big quote. That's a big quote that Xander's been told directly, which is something that would – the more I think about this – as I've sat on this, mm-hmm. Joe. Yep. It makes literally no sense to personally tell him that if you plan to deal him. It actually is it would be absurd to go to the player. It's one thing talking to the media. To go to the player and say, You're gonna be here past the deadline, and then to deal him yeah. would just be straight up rude, first off. It would just be a meanie thing to do. And it doesn't I mean, make any sense. Why you would do it doesn't I, I can't think of one reason why it would make sense if you would say that's that exactly what I'm saying. Like anybody who doesn't want to believe the the PR talk and the media talk, you can't deny, you know, Heim to Xander talk. There's no ulterior motive there. <laughs> so at least that's a good thing to hear. One thing I want to throw out, and I am never the projected deals guy. Uh, my dad and I had a call. And we were just going over what Xander's deal is going to be because we're the ones that offer the deal. That's how it works. Like basically, oh, oh, so you. So you're already saying what your conversation with Heim was? Yeah, my dad you're and I figured out the okay. my dad and I figured out the Trevor Story deal, and then we just sent it to Heim, and then he offered it. So basically, right, right. with Xander, what we're going to craft up here is a six-year, hundred eighty million dollar deal. So just scrap scrap the four years, eighty million he's got left. Give him six years for thirty million a year. Which Joey, let me pull it up here. That would put him as the fourth highest average annual value of any shortstop in the league behind Correa, Lindor, and Seager, which feels accurate. Mm-hmm. It'll put him ahead of Tatis, who obviously uh, has a mega deal as well. He's got, I think he got like a, what, a 14-year deal? Something crazy. So if Bogey and Boris don't think he should, if they think he should be getting more than that, I think that starts getting a little crazy talk, and it doesn't really make any sense to me. Okay, so here's my problem with the Bogey extension in general. We've we've never really talked about about this kind of stuff on here. Yeah. My the issue I see with it like getting done is that there's no way that six one eighty works for Bogey. Like there's no way that he that that's the Why, best though? offer he gets because I don't. No, I'm see saying all things considered, like Boston and that, like he really does want to stay here. I don't think he's just saying that. How much of a hometown deal do you expect him to take? But that's not because, a hometown I mean, deal. That's big money. That's big money. That's top three, top four shortstop money. He's not going to get the AAV, most money of any AAV. shortstop in the league. No, no, AAV. no. no I'm not, yeah. That's what I'm saying is why would he take a six-year deal to then be a free agent at, what, 36? Be like you 35, know? 36, yeah. Yeah. Like, he, I think he wants seven, eight years. He wants the last contract of his of his career. And it doesn't make sense for the Red Sox to do to do that. Even if you drop the AAV after those two years, like, let's say it's 7-200 
or eight to 15, you're going to have a shortstop ready by then. So like, are you, would you going to have a 35, 36 year old DH Xander Bogarts? Like, yeah. What what is he, what does he become? Or do you just like, do you eat that money? Do you just say, Hey, we're really paying for the first five, six years of this. And we know we're going to eat the back end of the deal. Cause Meyer's not going to wait seven years. Like he's going to be good to go. And no, of course not. And and I mean, a big part of why they drafted him is to potentially deal him. That's not, if they, if they were going to keep bogey, then Meyer obviously becomes your top potential trade chip for fill in the blank of the decently sized list of things that you probably need. So I'm saying this as a bogey guy. I'm saying this as a fan and supporter of a clubhouse that that matters, that's been around, that's been there, done that, that sticks together, that can win games, that can win titles for years to come. And that's why I would have that kind of a deal. Now, if it came down to like an eight-year deal by someone like the D-backs or like you get well i mean what was Baez's deal i was i think that was uh 6 years 140 million so mm-hmm. Baez got 23 a year over 6 years with the tigers at a similar age i believe he's around the same age as bogey and i mean they're pretty similar they're players yeah. production wise they're not that much different so i don't know i mean it's going to be interesting well obviously save a lot of this talk in the offseason. Joey, I feel comfortable knowing that, or 99.9% knowing that Bogey's going to be here now for no, the rest of the year. I think I think we can say knowing. Knowing is fair, I think, fair to say now based off of what we heard tonight um, and based off of what Haim has said recently. But yeah. we'll save the rest of this discussion for after the season, but I, I just think there is real potential now that Xander returns, and I've... I haven't been able to really say that until the confidence that they've shown and like, no, he's he's going to be here. We want him here. We're not dealing him. Like, they're saying all the right things. Obviously, for Mookie, mm-hmm. they said the right things too. So, we'll see. It It is the most hope I've had that we're going to see Xander next year. It is. Yes. Which is very crazy to like come out of the, uh, <clears throat> come out of the All-Star break and win – two of your first seven and yeah. yeah go go two and five out of the gate and somehow gain the confidence of like no 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 no, we're not moving bogey we want we want to have talks with them and you know we want yeah. to talk numbers and it's, it's that's and very weird it's nuts 15 50 one half their games they've lost half their games it's crazy last guy nathan avaldi nathan avaldi Staying or going now or after the year. He's got a 10-3-8 ERA since coming off the IL in three starts. Has been the Red Sox best starter overall for the last three years. And at this point, if you trade him, uh, it would be similar to what the Rays did in 2018. It would be getting two months of Evaldi. Not fully sure of what he is. I kind of put him in a similar boat as JD. If you're trying to get JD or Nathan Evaldi, you don't really know what you're getting for the last two months. And it's likely not going to be a huge difference. It's not like I, if it's like a maybe put you over the top guy potentially, but there's no guarantees that that's what they would, that's what they would be. So yeah. the more I look at this, Joey, and the more that, that Haim talks and I, I mentioned earlier, I got to talk to him briefly and we'll break that down, but I don't. And in looking at past uh, deadlines, which we'll also break down as well. I'm just not convinced I'm not convinced that they're gonna sell much. <laughs> like, I'm just, where do you feel with, with the sell thing? Where are you at? I'm I'm pretty back and forth. Um, 
it, it's so up and down, man. I have to keep reminding myself just how long the injured list is. I know I'm, I'm a broken record saying that, dude, but like you're not wrong though. I I just have to keep reminding myself because like the team that they're fielding today has so many holes that like you can't patch it up. You'd have to just you'd have to start selling if this was your team. You know, you'd have to you'd have to have a fire sale. Um, but there's just there's also a lot of unknowns. You like you don't know how much Paxton's going to contribute when he comes back. You don't know if and when Sale is going to be back and contribute. Like, it, what do Walker and Hill story, look like? Exactly. Like story. Like wh- who knows what's going on there, dude? That wasn't even supposed Can we to be talk an about IL. That, by the way, this that is... was not even supposed to be on the IL, and now he's like, I'm wondering if he's ever swinging a bat again. The most unspoken thing among Red Sox fans the last two weeks is Trevor's story and like what what's going on. Like I, I don't. He is lucking out, dude. That he is just like drifting into the shadows right now because all this like bogey talk is going on. And for some reason, like people talking about like are they going to trade Devers? Like that has become a headline for the past yeah, couple days. Which is which, so like, stupid. Where the hell is that coming? Some guy came up to us in Cooperstown was like, "You think they're dealing Devers?" I was like, "Do you think I'm going to cut off my right hand in front of you right now?" Because I think there's equal odds. And you almost and, did. You actually took the. And then and I was like, "Oh, Joey, Joey!" I threatened. I threatened. I was. I threatened. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, it, I don't remember where I was going. Well, it's just that <laughs> there's no chance. The, the story stuff, story, man. Story, story. I, I just, no, he is I just, just he, he's benefiting from this. Is coasting. what I'm saying. He's coasting. Yeah, yeah. Because like if and he that'll was, do it. if all this stuff, <laughs> if all this other stuff wasn't going on, he would be the talk of the town. It's like, what the hell's going on with story? You know, 140 yeah, million dollars. He's sitting on a bench. He's not even. I had $40 million Those, to sit on the bench and just watch the game and probably have. Hey, I'd take that money. I'd take that contract. I'd take those You'd donuts for 140 million. <laughs> You know that's exactly what the conversation would be, and it's just—it's nothing, dude. It's just like I see the lineups come out every day, and I don't even think to myself like, "Oh, story's not on there again." I just assume like, "Nah, he's going to be out for a while," even though I was told he's not even going on the IL at the beginning of this whole debacle. I'm just waiting for updates. Like, I feel like we're not getting updates. We we talk way too much about the Xander Devers stuff. That the big name they brought in that had a maybe the best stretch in Red Sox history at at some point this season. Doesn't get discussed, which is bizarre. But uh, plenty more to talk about here, Joey. Plenty more Mm -hmm. to talk about, but we're going to take a quick break. One thing I wanted to do, Joey, here on episode 38 of Inside the Monsters, take a quick trip down memory lane, which is probably not the best intro for this, but just looking at past trade deadlines for the Boston Mm -hmm. Red Sox. 2021, last year. Believe it or not, at the trade deadline, the Red Sox had a game-and-a-half lead on the Rays at the top of the AL East with a record of 63-41. and 41. I'm not going to lie, Joey. That surprised me that their record was that good at the There's, deadline. Things went south yeah. very quickly after. And you had you know Xander getting COVID in Tampa, and that seemed like the, the bottom of the barrel for that season but they you know climb back and it's, it's funny going game by game if you go day by day in the MLB standings for last year the Sox really snuck into hosting that wild card game <laughs> like they really it's crazy the, yeah. the Yankees choked big time and the Sox snuck in there and then whooped the Yankees asses in the wild card game because they stink so Sox were a game and a half up And two days later, the Rays took over the AL East and never looked back. The trades were acquiring Kyle Schwaba, Kyle from Waltham, 
for Aldo Ramirez. If you're asking me any background on Aldo Ramirez, I don't have it. Red Sox got a couple months of Schwarber, who after recovering from an injury, because they traded for an injured Kyle Schwarber, uh, was awesome. It was, he only was, like, it was only like a week, wasn't it, that he was hurt? He only really missed like 10, eight, eight to 10 games, I think, like after the I deadline. I remember people I making be- a big deal of it, of like, they tra- when is he even going to be here? It's like, th- yeah, isn't it projected that he's going to be back in like a week or two? He, he was very close. Yeah. I think there were legitimate question marks of how long he was going to be out. So I understood the the questions. But no, Schwarber was awesome. There's no denying that uh, he was exactly what you wanted him to be. And talking with Haim, he's like, yeah, this is obviously not a guy we're bringing here for defense. This was a guy mm-hmm. we solely wanted to hit and he hit and he did everything you could ask for. So that was a, a big success. They dealt the ice horse, Michael Chavis, to the Pirates for Austin Davis. And that's been successful as well. The Austin Davis move has been good. He's had mainly a very good year as a lefty out of the pen for the Red Sox, which you can't really say about anybody else. So that was a good move as well. Chavis, I believe, has been pretty blah for the Pirates in getting a lot of playing time. I think he was good no, out of the gate. I he's, he's hit, he's hit like. I don't think he's had a good year. We're talking ice really? horse here? I'm, I'm basing this off horse. of stats tweeted about it like a week ago. Oh my, he fell off. Okay, he was he was wicked hot, but he's yeah, he's hitting 236 on the year. Yeah, let's see. OPS of 682, 10 homers. Ice horse since the start of June is hitting. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Through April and up. May. Through April and May, he was hitting 293 with an 831 OPS. He had five homers in his four, first 40 games. He's hitting 190 since the start of June. Yikes. Uh, that is tough. Well, that would be why. That would be why they call it an average. That would be why. So, yeah, that deal's worked out well. Mm-hmm. And then they traded Alex Scherf. Again, who are these guys to the Twins for Hansel Robles, which, as we know by now, had Obviously its ups and downs. Obviously worked out for everybody. Obviously, yeah. the Sox, you know, big time won there. But fleeced. Those were, those were the three <laughs> trades they made last year. In 2020, even though that year didn't happen, the Red Sox, dude, I almost forgot that eight teams made it out of the AL in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Red half, Sox were seven games baseball. back of that. They, they were seven games back of that last spot <laughs> at the trade deadline. They were 12 and 22. And yeah. they made some moves. They traded uh, the ostrich, Josh Osich, mm. to the Cubs for a player to be named later. They dealt Kevin Pala uh, from Quincy Market. They traded him to the Rockies for a player to be named later in future considerations. Future considerations, by the way, is a filthy slider. They traded Mitch Moreland, Mitchie Two Bags, out to the Padres for a third baseman named Hudson Potts and center fielder. I, I, I mess his name up. I can't. I There's no chance. There's, I, I know it's name? Rosario. It's I think Stats loves that guy. And they traded, this is my favorite trade in the high and bloom era, Brandon Workman and Heath Embry to the Phillies for Nick Pavetta and Connor Siebold. So that one has obviously worked out very well. Most of the Heim trades have worked out well. Like these, you go down the list, and typically the Red Sox are the winners with the deals. 
I know you're thinking, Mookie, Mookie, Mookie. I mean, that one still hasn't been terrible, all things considered. Hasn't been terrible. 2019, Sox are two and a half games back of the second wild card spot with a record of 59 and 49 at the trade deadline. They were nine games back of the Yankees for the top ALE spot. Uh, a half game up. I or no, I'm mixing my I'm mixing my years up. They were, yeah, they were right around. Okay, two and a half games out of the uh, out of the wild card, and Dombrowski made no moves. He did not acquire anybody, and he said, "Hopefully, we win a division." But as I sit here, realistically, we're probably playing for a wild card spot. I look at that a little bit differently as far as what you're willing to do and the risk that you're willing to take. So that's code for I'm not going to trade for guys when I don't think we're going to do anything this year. And so they didn't. In 2018, Joey, this is just kind of mind-blowing. Red Sox, six-game AL East lead. The thing that's mind-blowing to me is that they were 75-33 and at the trade deadline in 2018. That is absurd. That is absolutely absurd. Six-game lead on the Yankees. They basically had like a 10-game lead on like everybody else in baseball. Yankees' great season just didn't even matter that year. They won 100 games and it was like, who cares? Yeah, Yeah. that was great. They had a run differential at the deadline. The Red Sox did of uh, 178 plus 178. So that team was insane. They acquired Nathan Avaldi from the Rays for Jalen Beeks. Beeks has been good for the Rays. So that's actually worked out pretty well for both teams. Mm -hmm. And they obviously, Rays had more control of Beaks. The Red Sox got two months of Vivaldi and then gave him that four-year, what, uh, $68 million deal, which didn't get off to a great start, but it's been good since then. Sox also got big hit Kins, Ian Kinsler, from the Angels for Ty Buttry, of course, and then Williams mm. Jerez, of course. Those were the guys that they dealt. And then 2017, they, you think a- what's up? When you think of Kinsler, what do you think of? I think of the, you know, game, what, game three? Was it Was it three? It was the, it was the Evaldi game, wasn't it? Was yeah, game three. Game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He blew the first game in L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Red Sox swept the Dodgers in five games. So 2017 Sox were half a game back of the Yankees at 57-49. and 49. They were the top wild card team, a half game up on the Royals of all teams. And they acquired Addison Reed. From the Mets, for Addison Ray, they got Addison Ray from the Mets, and that was the only deal they made. So mm-hmm. overall, Joey, if you're looking at the last five trade deadlines for the Red Sox, they average mm-hmm. like two moves a year. It's basically two moves a year since Haim got here. Mm-hmm. It's basically the same. It's a couple moves, maybe three moves a year. So mm-hmm. think think around there. Think around, like, what are the three moves the Red Sox would make? I would say reliever, and if that reliever is a closer, that would be great. A first baseman, I think, just has to happen, right? Where I mean, if they're serious about contending, you got to get a legitimate first baseman, right? That's that's priority number one. Yes. 100%. Uh, um, now, if, if you're shopping— uh, it sounds like I was about to go into an ad. Yeah, um, you're gonna want to do if you're, if Hello Fresh. You, yeah. Um, if you're shopping around and and you're trying to buy, uh, in your mind, is there any prospects that are off limits? Any of your own prospects that you're not moving? Because earlier you mentioned moving Meyer. I hate that idea. I would not want to. In my mind, Meyer and Cassis 
off limits, and maybe Brian Mata too. Well, I'm saying if you sign if you sign uh, Bogarts, then I think Meyer becomes a top trade option. Which is why you Even got him then, in the dude, first I think place. He's like an athlete, I think and he's realistically you got Marcelo as insurance not only for Bogey, but look at this. We lucked into with the pick that we had, which was what the fourth pick. You got Marcelo Meyer, which yeah. everyone was saying is like the most talented guy in the draft. So I think that's what it was. It was like we have insurance for Bogey, and then if we keep Bogey, then we could trade this guy for something else we need. I guess. I also I, I kind of half subscribe to the idea that uh, shortstops coming out of high school can be moved around. That they're you know at great athletes, so they can be pretty much anywhere on the diamond. Well, that was so, another thing with Meyer, right? Where they're like, oh, they I could always move him to second. That. It's like, well, they signed Trevor Story, so uh, I don't know. This put him in center field. I don't care. I don't know. I I, I like the kid. But uh, speaking of prospects moving, Steve. Yeah. Did you? Do you? Uh, did you did you have another year to do here of? No, that was it. That was it for that. Pro- okay, okay. Yeah. No, the other. I, right. I just the other thing so I had to mention to- real quick, Joey, was just that this mm-hmm. would be the worst record the Red Sox have at a trade deadline since 2015. Mm-hmm. So regardless, okay. regardless I of what they do, regardless of what they do, well, 2015 they they were not good. They were 45 and 48 mm-hmm. at the deadline, um, and yeah, that that team. I think it was 45 and 58. That might be a typo on my part. The 2015 Red Sox were not good. 2014 Red Sox stunk. They were 48 and 60 at the deadline. 13, 64, and 44 when they won the World Series. So it's been seven years since the Red Sox uh, will have as bad a record as they're inevitably going to have, even though it might be over 500. It might not be. But either way, that's going to be a factor. I know Haim had alluded to, you know, the needle gets moved based on these wins and losses. I, what was the exact quote? He said... He basically said it doesn't. He said it... it he said every game moves that needle one way or another. It doesn't change how we feel about the oh. talent on the club, but it does change our situation. That was a high and bloom quote. So mm. it factors in a little bit. But uh, what were you going to say, Joey, about the prospects? All right. About prospects. Marcelo Meyer, Tristan Cassis, Brian Bayo, Nick York. What kind of return would you want to see in a deal that included moving all four of those guys? So, to be clear, all four of those guys, nothing else but a package of those four. What kind of return would you expect? Uh, Juan Soto and no less. The Los Angeles Angels are apparently shopping Shohei Otani, and their asking price is the top four prospects within a system. Yeah, that's not that's not going to happen. No, I know. I don't think that it's realistic, but doesn't it also kind of feel like... Like what? That's it? Like that's it? Well, it would depend on what your Meyer, organization Cassis, is. Meyer, Cassis, Bay, New York for Shohei Otani. No, I mean it's it's not like the top four in any organization. I, I think they would be like top four in like one of the best prospect pools that you could possibly get. I mean, I'm not going to waste any time talking Which about I think- a Shohei deal. I, I don't. That's. I know the Angels are shopping them, but like but Joey, one thing I think I've told you before: I hate hypothetical deals. Uh-huh. I think it's the biggest waste of time anyone can do. I think it's filler on radio. I think it sucks. I think that's the episode that we're doing. No, we're doing. We're talking about guys on the team <laughs> if they're staying the or going. That that's like tangible. That's a real thing. Talking about anybody coming mm-hmm. here for anybody is like I don't I don't know if that's the thing. Guys leaving or guys coming here 
when there's rumors like the Red Sox have checked in on Luis Castillo and they potentially have checked in on Josh Bell. I think that's fair to talk about because it's like they've mm. they're talking about it. So, um, you think there? Have you heard any of the uh, Brian Reynolds talk that they've checked in over there too? Pirates outfielder. Yeah, they probably. I mean, realistically, I, what do you think a check in uh, entails? Like, hey, uh, what are your thoughts? I, I picture Moneyball. <laughs> yeah, I picture Moneyball. Yeah, I, I picture like a call where he's like. Hey, that that Reynolds kid. Like, what are you trying to get? Like a prospect for him, maybe too. Yeah. What do you think of for that guy? Like, oh, huh? really? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, we'll be in touch. We'll talk. Yeah. I think it's that. I think it really is just a quick little, uh, you know, minute two minute call that somebody down the hall hears about and leaks to a reporter. Yeah, that's so. that's one thing I'm not that excited about coming up in the next week is all the oh so and so are also interested. They're among 16 teams that are interested in. You know, you don't like playing the like. Oh man, could Soto really be a Philly? You don't like playing that. I, Joey, I, I can't emphasize enough. The hypotheticals mm-hmm. kill me when it's an actual report that involves the Red Sox and like two other teams. You got my attention. Like if it's, I'm just saying a lot but of these. Even just a like, oh man, a deal might be finalizing between. The oh, Nats might be finalizing is real. I'm talking about when guys like let me think. Heyman's a great example, or Nightingale. Mm-hmm. Of and I, mm-hmm. when I was working at Bleach Report, like Boob. it was the deadline was a huge day. Mm-hmm. It you did not lift your your head from the laptop, like it was constant. And the guys that drove me nuts were some of these guys that are like, you know, so and so remain interested in this guy, and so and this team might also be getting involved when it's a player that has like twelve teams that are involved. What you're saying, if it's like Padres, I uh, think they're nearing a deal with. Oh, that's a huge deal. If it's a team, is I mean, even if it's still two or three teams, that's at play. no, I that's still you're, a huge you're, deal. You're done. No, no, I'm okay. what I'm saying okay. is when it's like ten plus teams that are interested, I'm like, whatever, dude, that doesn't really matter. But the the reports to me that yeah. matter are like rival execs think that this team's gonna get that guy, or you know, Padres sources are saying they're close to a deal. I think those things matter to me. But Red Sox have been involved in a lot of those. The Chris Sale talks uh, were a lot of. People think he's going to the Sox. Like, Sox are very interested. Sox checking it again. And then Red Sox have traded for Chris Hill. So those are things to keep an eye on. Um, one thing I want to break down real quick was a chat with Heim Bloom. Shout out to Heim. I, I'm not one to be like to break down these these conversations that much. They don't happen a ton. You'll talk to some of the players occasionally. Heim talked to him on opening day. And then he said, what's up uh, at Fenway the other day. And... So we're just kind of shooting the breeze. And I was curious, Joey, of just like what his mindset is like, what his headspace is like the week leading up to deadline. And he said it's not as crazy as you might think. I think we all picture it wow. being like this wild thing. He's like, you know what? Realistically, you go about your day kind of like you normally would, but you're ready for anything at any point. A lot of times the day is calmer than you would expect. But one of the things he mentioned that I thought was interesting was that in the last, he said the last two hours are really when things start coming in that were never discussed for weeks or months. And I totally believe that because that's when some of the craziest things happen. So scary. Dude. He was like, that, that's so he's scary. like, there, the pressure there. He said the biggest day is normally the day before. A lot of times you'll get teams like real take it or leave it offer the day before the deadline. So. I'm definitely keeping my eye on Monday. I think something big could happen on Monday either way for the Sox. And um, 
yeah, it was it was just a it was a good combo. It was my biggest takeaway is that I I always I believe what he's saying. I don't think he's he's you know a BS kind of guy. He says you know everything he does is extremely rational. You never want to get caught up in talks and deadlines and all that. You want to actually you know make a deal that makes sense long term and that doesn't sound just sexy in the moment. And then you're like, wait a second, why did we just do that? Um, I was curious if he like listens to the critics, <laughs> if he like actually mm-hmm. hears all the noise. I'm like, dude, I hear your name like every single day, and it's kind of weird. He's like, oh yeah, I stopped. Like he said, his first year here, he actually would like listen to the radio and like tune into podcasts and like really check out what's going on. And that in the last mm-hmm. like year and a half, he's just stopped doing that, and it's just not like part of the routine anymore, which I think is healthy. I mean, some of the stuff is just so irrational coming out of fans mouths that it's like what's even what's even the point um but yeah it was it was a good it was a good conversation it it was you know i was definitely curious if the next week is going to impact what happens Mm -hmm. on tuesday and he says they're pretty well set on what they think the needs of the team are and that that's not really going to make a huge difference um but yeah it was it was a good talk it was definitely productive and then he said that devers is going to sign a 30-year deal yeah that, that that that's the minor takeaway. Yeah, that's a little side note there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've yet to I've yet to actually meet Heim. Um, I, hi, hi. I know that you're listening, Heim. Of course. I know that you don't listen to other podcasts, other radio, other whatever. Naturally, but I know you tune in here. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's weird, dude, because I think like you picture a baseball exec, and uh, you don't picture Heim Bloom. Heim just kind he just blends right in, dude. He just seems like a dude. He's a chill out dude there walking around, hanging out. I gotta say, it's yeah. it's funny. Talking to him, it's funny because, like, we have a similar kind of convo that I would have with Justin or, like, Brian or, like, you know, some of the guys on the Sox, like, with their mm-hmm. um, PR team. And I'm just kind of just chatting with him, just, you know, hanging out. And it's probably 20, 25-minute talk. And mm-hmm. I, I, midway through, I'm like, oh, wait a second. Like, this is this is a big deal. Like, <laughs> I should be. This dude runs the this team. This dude runs the team. I'm like, what is. This dude decides my happiness <laughs> a lot. I didn't even buy it. Like, I didn't even think about, yeah. like, wait, should I be, like, blitzing him? But like, I don't want to do that. I'm not trying to, like, hit him with the big questions. But mm-hmm. he told me a couple of off-the-record things um, that mm-hmm. are relatively important. You can you can say it now. Not saying it now. <laughs> not going to say it now. But You can probably just say it. Um, he, he was kidding around when he said off-the-record, But I respect, see, know, I respect you know that. I respect that he knows I won't say the off-the-record things. Like, that's... That matters to me, so I'm like, all right, like he he didn't mean it, bro. He was joking around, and you know it. Drop no, it. No, it was the 30 year Devers deal. That's what it was. That they're gonna sign him through his age uh, 55 season, and I I think that's a little ridiculous. But he said, nah, this is our guy. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, if there was ever gonna be a 35 million dollar a year third base coach, it would probably be Rafael. It would probably Devers. be him. They, he'd still be selling tickets. My no, I fully agree with you. But yeah, my biggest takeaway with Heim is that he is rational. He is someone that knows there's noise out there but doesn't give a damn. I think he genuinely, I think Haim genuinely doesn't care what the critics think. He's trying to build a consistent contender. And you can say what you want. Your Twitter fingers can go off and you can be, oh, this, that, the other thing. He does not give a flying bleep about what you think respectfully. And he's actually trying to put this team in position to win for years to come. I am not just drinking the Heim tea. I genuinely believe it. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Joey, on Heim Bloom, just in general? I, if I, 
I think if I looked into those baby blues, dude, I'd feel the same way. I think he's hypnotizing. Great jawline too. Guy's got a I don't great even know jawline. If he, does he have? Does he have blue eyes? I don't remember. I, I don't know. He had sunglasses on. I don't think he does. He normally has shades on, so I can't uh, even tell. He's uh, a cool guy. He's a cool guy. I saw him talking to uh, a fan who just like yelled, was there during BP, and was just like, "Hi!" And he like walked over and like talked to him and his kid. It's like, oh, first time. That's great. That's yeah. great, man. Take it all in. Yeah. Just had a whole like you know five minute conversation with this dad and his kid and took a picture with them and. It's it's crazy, man. Like you just do do not see that. Imagine Dombrowski just out there yucking it up on the field. Dude, it was funny when I just I stumbled upon that like Dombrowski quote of like you know the guys in there are the ones that are going to do it, which he knew they weren't going to do anything of relevance in 2019. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Dombrowski was a pretty straight shooter. Like normally, if he said something, he wasn't like it actually was true. Like he wasn't just kind of floating it out there. But Heim, it feels more genuine. It feels less like someone that knows a ton is is talking down to me and more like, I know Haim is significantly smarter than me, knows the game way better, and is just a mastermind of all this stuff, but he doesn't make you feel like it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make you feel like you're an idiot, and I, I respect that. <laughs> yeah. that's a, There was a day uh, you and I were in the dugout, and Haim was like around, and I was like, and that is like what prevented us from going over and talking to him. It was like early in the year. We're like, ah, he's so smart. I don't know if he, he I don't, know if he I don't want to make him like try to, well, what is he going to talk to us about, dude? What could he even say? Like, hey, do you guys play with Legos or something? What did you guys do today? Yeah, you, what are you clowns doing? But no, it was a good convo. I think, Joey, I'm, I'm obviously leaning by. I'm leaning by and I don't think they're going to sell. I think the I think there I'm leaning a little bit more in the middle than you are. I'm thinking there are going to be some pieces that move, i.e. JD. Um, JD, I'm least confident in. It, notice that Haim didn't say, "Hey, JD's staying." <laughs> he did not say that. So right, exactly. That's ex- that's literally one of the reasons I think that. So um, I think there's going to be some selling going on, but I think it's going to be a net buy. I think this team is going to be better August third than it is today. Under Haim, they've only done one of. One of the two at each deadline. It's either been buy or sell. It hasn't really been a, a combo deal. So um, we'll see. We'll see, man. First time for everything, brother. And when I say this is their worst record at the deadline since 2015, obviously I'm not talking about 2020. That season doesn't count. That's a fake thing. Whatever. I'm talking full seasons. This would be their worst record in seven years uh, at the deadline. But we'll see. A lot to be determined from now until Tuesday. At what, 4? I think it's 4 p.m.? 4 p.m. Yeah. Sounds accurate. So. Alrighty. Closing thoughts coming up next on Inside the Monster. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, 
every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All righty, we are back. Episode 38 of Inside the Monster is time for closing thoughts. I hate that Karen Chack guy. That guy stinks. I am just not a fan of him. He was flipping the ball around nonstop. He's all herky-jerky. Takes forever to throw it. The fans at Fenway, shout out to the fans at Fenway, counting how long he took in between pitches. The guy takes an eternity Karen Chak is obnoxious, and I really don't like him, which is okay. It's okay to have opposing players that you hate. He's one of them. Was at the game on Wednesday. and or No, Tuesday. Sorry. At the game on Tuesday. And I'm just chilling. I, I, after BP and schmoozing a little bit, I like to grab normally a slice of pizza. Head up to the last row of the bleachers behind the scoreboard and just kind of chill out, look at the field, and just, you know, take it all in. And there was a a BP ball hit to Karen Chat. Is that a what is that? What's going on? Is that? Oh, you can hear oh, that. Oh, yeah. What, you can hear that cat. What is that? That's a cat. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. Doesn't it? He, dude, he sounds like a broken, uh, like, baby doll. It sounds like a baby Stop! stepped on a Lego. Stop! Stop! <laughs> All night, Stop. bro. All night. No. If anybody's interested, <laughs> if anybody's interested in a free cat, there you go. You have my email. You got. You got your email. Um, dude, he he sucks. He sucks. But one thing I was gonna say is that he got a BP ball, mm-hmm. right? Catches the ball. He's mm. looking around at the fans, looking at all these kids, you know, trying. I thought he was trying to find like a Guardians fan, right? He kind of keeps it, mm. tosses it around the ball, like in the glove, like he always does, and looks back at the fans, looking around. I'm like, is he going to give this ball out? And then he looks back one more time and like fakes like he's going to throw it and then throws the ball back in. 
I'm like, you stink. I do not like this guy at all. Loser. I think he's a, a legitimate clown. Grew up a Yankee fan, which explains a lot. But my goodness, mm-hmm. Karen Chak is super annoying on the mound. I don't much care for that guy. No, dude. He is he. Um, did he go today? Is he the same guy who came off the mound today screaming? Yeah, dude. He's always flipping out. Like there's certain yeah, pitchers where him. it's like that's, calm that's the today. hell down, especially when you're losing. Both times they're losing, and like they're about to yeah. lose the game, and he's yelling bleep this, bleep that, like yelling at fans, like hold these two L's, buddy. Like I, I just he stinks. Guy stinks. I know stats yeah, was like put him all. on the Yankees. I actually agree. I would love if this guy was on the Yankees. The Yankees need more people that you can hate. Karen Chak would be a great one. You got a closing thought, Joey? Oh, what a face. He's a oh, he's, what This guy a stinks. Face. Doesn't he look like the kid in high school that was dude. like, oh, God, not this guy again? He looks like the quarterback, dude. He looks like the the high school quarterback who's his girlfriend's the cheerleader, but like you're like the girl, the he cheerleader look, lives next door to you, like right? The free safety. And like you're falling in love with her, and you're like, oh, like. She deserves better. Like, I can't believe she puts up with Brad's crap. I hear Brad does cigarettes. She deserves better. He's one of those guys. Yeah, but at the end of the day. He played for Chatham. Oh, he played, he played for my favorite Cape League team, or second favorite, Brian Harwich. Of course he played for the Anglers. That's great. That's great. This guy probably, like, I bet he stayed with his the host family and, like, wrecked all their stuff. I bet he had, like, girls back, <laughs> and he was just drinking and, like, ruining everything. I remember hearing a story that Nick Swisher, like, trashed the host family's mm. car like just ran it like drove it right into like what? a lake i bet karen Jack did the same thing what? i bet he was a terrible person to host i feel I bad he's been arrested bro i bet he uh... <laughs> yeah i bet karen Jack like punches <laughs> kids in 2016 he played for the anglers i bet his host family hated him i i can guarantee let's it let's find them let's track him down let's track him we'll down if you know who james karen Jack's host family was in chatham six years ago let us know what's your closing thought joey karen Jack stinks i did I did uh, uh, a pretty adult thing today, dude, that I've never done before. What do you got? Uh, do you want to take a guess at what it was? Not at all. Okay, perfect. Um, I <laughs> well, I had a siren going off I, in the background, so I didn't want to. I didn't want that to come through. I bought a lottery ticket. This is the first time I've ever bought a lottery ticket. Felt very grown up of That's me. That's pretty big. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever bought a lottery ticket. Not a scratch ticket, by the way. I mean like a Mega Millions, like a like a Powerball ticket. Because mm. I don't know if you've heard, Steve. I don't know if you've heard, dude. Jackpot's a billion dollars. I did see that. With a B. Yeah. With a B. I did see that. So, yeah. So, bought one of those. I'm just letting you guys know, in case I'm not on the next episode, the drawing is tomorrow. It is Friday night. So if I'm not on the next episode, that is why I have moved to Greece. That'll do it. I know a couple other things I want to touch up on real quick in closing thoughts mode. Yep. Uh, I know we mentioned the Benny thing when it happened live on DMs, but Benny in a Yankees uniform looks so wrong, and he has he has no hits in his Yankees career, so he kind of stinks. He's, yeah, he's batting oh. He's batting oh, oh, oh. oh. With the Yankees. So, major mistake by the Yankees getting Benny. It clearly isn't working out. So, there you go. Uh, Washed. John King, by the way. What's up? 
Gallo, not only was he like not DFA'd or anything, but like he was also in the starting lineup today. I thought that was so funny. Because like Yankees fans were like, oh, finally Gallo's out of here. No, <laughs> he's literally still in your well, lineup. Well, I think it's it, it's just Enjoy a matter that. of time. They are shopping him. I don't know what you're going to get for that, but. A lot of, a lot of, I saw a lot of Yankee fans make it a whole thing about that. Like, how awkward is it going to be? Dude, it's been awkward enough that the guy's hitting, like, 150, and he's expected to be a big part of the lineup. It's already been awkward. It's not going to get that much more awkward when you bring in an outfielder. I, I don't know. It, it's People are he's, making a huge deal out of stuff. Like, you don't think he's 70. already felt awkward that he sucks? Oh. And, like, everyone boos him every night? Like, that's not already awkward enough for him? <laughs> like, come on. It's going to get that much worse that, like, Benny he's, is in the dugout, a guy that causes no issues at all it's just a weird reaction by fans makes no sense but makes no sense uh one yeah. one last he's thing six for his last 70 joey gallo he stinks you know who john king is i feel like i know eight people by that name the cnn guy that does like the okay. map on election night yep he's just been randomly yep, quote tweeting me him. the last few days and shout out to john king what I, I don't know why he's doing that but i love it i noticed he followed me so i followed him back and I think he's well. He's a big socks guy, and mm-hmm. I think he's just using me to like quote tweet and get his socks thoughts out. So, shout out to John King. Wow, that's uh, that's been cool. So yeah, keep it going, bro. I think you do a great job with the I, map uh, on the screen. Good job. I love the map. CNN is my go-to map for the election. I stay not, up all night watching that. Guy has nothing to do with politics. Me too. I don't know if you're joking. I'm, I'm dead going, serious. I'm dead serious. I'm I stayed up map. until like 3 a.m. every night during the election to just see John King do the map. <laughs> They'd have some younger kid I take over who was really good, but I'm like, you're not John King. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But he was good. But he, he was, was good. good. And then like he was good. Like, yeah, it was good. I can't wait, dude. Map talk coming. <laughs> what two years from now? <laughs> We're only two years away from map talk, dude. Shout out to the kid because like, you know when and this happens, I think a lot during like the day to day. Maybe not a lot during the day today, but like at certain points where you have to admit something is good, even though you don't want to, you're like, ah, you're right, you're right. That's that actually. He's good. He's good. He's, he's good. good. He's good. Like so, I wanted so bad to be like the dude that comes after John King sucks and like get him out of here, but he was good. He was good. He was good. That kid put in work. You could tell he wanted to be there. He's you know he's trying to create a future for himself. He knew the counties. God, I'm so excited. He knew the counties within the counties. Like he was really good. He was good at using the map. That's another thing that you got to be great mm-hmm. at using the screen map. And he was great at tapping. Mm-hmm. You know. So I I I read a whole thing about like how how much they train for the map. I'm not even kidding. No. How much they yeah. like? Okay, two fingers does this. Three changes this. Like it's pretty cool, dude. I'm. <laughs> Let's just hold a hold a big election special. A couple of years, I'd be down. Do our own map. We'll do a socks do a live on socks YouTube or something. Election special. But yeah, that'll uh, that'll do it. That'll do it. Shout out to John King, uh, Benny. Maybe a trade deadline special with a map. Could we do that? That sounds like a lot of trouble. That just sounds like a lot of I a like lot of work. Trouble. I'm not trying to do. Hmm. I'll think about it. <laughs> If I did some work, would you show up for it? Of course. Yeah, we'll think about it. Okay. We'll think about it as always a way of me just pushing things like down no. the road. That's a no. That's a yeah, no. Yeah, push it down the road. There we That's go. That's a no. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it. That's mom saying, oh, we'll talk about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, for episode 38 of Inside the Monster, the Red Sox split with the Guardians, and they got the Brewers coming to town. Next, you will hear from us is the series preview for Brewers Red Sox. But until then, for Joey Capone, I'm Steve Peralt. Go Sox, kid. Thank you.
Inside the Monster is a production of Odyssey in partnership with the Boston Red Sox. The show is produced by me, Steve Peralt. Our executive producer is Lena Glazer. Mixing and video editing by Joey Capone. Special thanks to the Red Sox and Major League Baseball for their contributions to the production of this podcast. Thank you.